Welcome to the Center Ranch Church Weekly Podcast. We believe that faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. Here's this week's message. All right, well, I'm excited because we're starting this new series on the Holy Spirit, talking about um, His ministry, and we'll start basic because we've got people from you know, other church backgrounds and people, you know, new people all the time. Some people that maybe didn't really grow up in church. So for those of us who've been around for a while, maybe there's a little uh, overlap, things that we've heard before. So you'll get to relearn some things and we'll, we'll build on that as we move forward. But the Holy Spirit is important. He, he is important. He's not some fringe member uh, that's just some churches kind of dabble in. The Holy Spirit's just for like Pentecostal, Holy Roller, weirdo, fringe member, fringe member churches. The, the Trinity is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You know what that means about the Holy Spirit? He's God. He, the Holy Spirit is, is God. He is important. In fact, when it comes to the Trinity, he's the first specific member of the Trinity mentioned in the Bible. Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. Second verse mentions the Spirit of God hovering over the deep as, as it moves into the creation, the creation account. And so the, the Holy Spirit, if you've been around, you've heard me say this before, but I really believe that it's, it's a strategy of the enemy to bring confusion and mystery and ignorance about the role of the Holy Spirit in our, in our lives. The, the devil doesn't want people to accept Jesus as Savior. But if he loses you and you accept Jesus, you become a part of the, of the kingdom of God. The next best thing he can do in your life is to bring confusion about the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity, that is active and on the, working on the earth today. Because God the Father is on his throne in, in heaven. The Bible says that Jesus is seated at his right hand. Jesus even told the disciples, I, I've got to go to the Father so I can send the Holy Spirit. So if God the Father and God the Son are in heaven and he sent the Holy Spirit to be with us, that's the aspect of the Godhead, the part of the Trinity that's working in our, in our lives. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit empowers us, leads us, guides us, teaches us, comforts us. That's, the, that's how we fellowship with God. So if we're ignorant and we really have no understanding or relationship with the Holy Spirit, then you might, you might be part of the kingdom, but you're, you're impotent. You're, you're not making any impact because you don't know about the, a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Again, the, the, the importance of the Holy Spirit is enormous. Jesus, in, in Matthew chapter 12, talked about blasphemy against the Holy Spirit being a sin that you can't be forgiven from. He, he even said, you can speak against the Son of Man, talking about himself, right, and be forgiven. But if you speak against the Holy Spirit, you, you can't be forgiven. He even said in this life or in the life to come. That, that is a profound statement. That, that is a powerful statement that, that should cue us into how incredibly important the Holy Spirit is. Again, sometimes we kind of have it staged. You got God the Father, God the Son, and somewhere down below is like kind of some weird stepson member of the family is the Holy Spirit. But you can see that the kind of emphasis that Jesus puts on the Holy Spirit, that's not the case that's not the case at all. And there, there's a progression in the things of God. And part of where you can see that is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was sent by God, correct? And he said, the one that comes after me is greater than I am. I'm not even worthy to untie his, his, his sandals. And then the Holy Spirit reveals that, that Jesus 
is the Messiah and says, behold, the Lamb of God. John the Baptist points him out, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the, the sin of the world. And then Jesus said, told his disciples, it's better for you that I go away. I, I mean, think about that. Those, those of us have heard that verse a lot. We can kind of become desensitized to it. That, that, that is a significant thing to say. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords, for him to say, it's better, it's better for you that I go away and go back to be the Father so I can send you the, the Holy Spirit. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing to, to say. Uh, Jesus, that, that's not like my opinion. That, that's what Jesus said. That's, that's according to, you know, it, it, you almost feel weird saying it's better that Jesus is in heaven so we can have the Holy Spirit. That sounds like inappropriate to even, even talk like that. But that's, that's what Jesus told us. It's better for you, for you that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come. So as we, we begin to talk about the Holy Spirit, this, this is of major, enormous, excuse my limited vocabulary, very, very, very... <laughs> importance. I don't know if that's a complete sentence, but so if you have your Bible, turn to, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14, start reading in verse 15. Jesus says this, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So verse 15, he says, if you, if you love me, Keep my, keep my commandments. Now, when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, ultimately, what he's talking about is holiness, right? If somebody is walking according to the word of God, they're, they're not disobeying his instructions, they're walking in obedience, then ultimately, you could kind of summarize that. He's talking about somebody who's living in absolute holiness. They're walking in obedience. And he lets us know that walking in holiness is not an attempt to earn God's love, it's actually an expression of your love, right? If I obey God's commandments, I'm not trying to get his approval. I want God to like me more. That's not the way it works. It's actually, he's given us a way for me to express my love to him by walking in holiness, by doing the things that, that he says. And for someone to walk in holiness, to, to say, you know what, I'm gonna start doing everything God's word tells me to do. That means there's, there's got to be a repentance from anywhere where you're out of line with that. Are you following me, right? If I say I'm gonna stop doing things where I'm not obeying and I'm going to begin to obey, there, there's some level of repentance there so I can walk in holiness. And look at this connection. If you love me, keep my commandments, walk in holiness, repent from where you're not in holiness, and what happens? And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. So that lets us know one of the precursors to receiving the Holy Spirit 
is, is repentance. It's, it's important to receive the full ministry of the Holy Spirit. Repentance, deciding I'm going to walk in holiness, is of necessity. And you can see that a number of different places. In Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, God pours out the Holy Spirit. Peter begins to, to preach. People think that they're drunk. He said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel. He gives, he gives that message. At the end of it, some of them, it says they're pricked in their hearts and they say, what, what should we do? What do, what do how, what's the appropriate response to what God is doing here? And he says to repent, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of sins and receive the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about how they could receive, people could receive what they received, but he doesn't just say receive the Holy Spirit. He starts it off with an instruction to repent. In Hebrews chapter one, where it's talking about Jesus, it talks about how he loves righteousness and hates wickedness Therefore, he has been anointed, a picture of receiving the Holy Spirit. A hatred for wickedness, a love for righteousness, set him up to receive anointing. In John chapter 7, where Jesus says, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes can come and drink. Rivers of living water will flow from his bellies. And it goes on to say, when he said this, he was speaking of the Holy Spirit who had not been given yet because he hadn't ascended to, to be with the Father. But even in that, you can see a picture of repentance because, you know, everyone is thirsty, Everyone's thirsty. There's a longing on the inside of all of us for something. When you decide to come to Jesus and drink, you're, you're saying that thirst, that longing that, that I have on the inside, I'm done trying to satisfy it in all these other places. I'm, I'm done trying to get it from material things. This thirst that I have, I'm, I'm no longer gonna try to have it satisfied at the bar or in a promiscuous relationship or by earning more money or all, all the different ways because all of us have a thirst on the inside. And so when we come to Jesus with that thirst, I'm saying I understand that all the stuff the world has to offer, it can't touch this thirst. And so I, I'm, I'm repenting. I'm, I'm saying I'm not pursuing these things. I'm bringing that thirst to Jesus. And I'm going to drink, and I know he satisfies me, right? So there's a picture of repentance there. So to receive the Holy Spirit, to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit, I'm, I'm giving you a number of different examples from Scripture where you can see that repentance, holiness, sets us up to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Verse 16 again, he says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. That, that word that's translated helper is a word in the Greek that's got a lot of meaning. It's, it's rich, and so it's translated different ways. Let me give you some of the ways that you can see it translated. Helper, mediator, comforter, counselor, intercessor, advocate, strengthener, standby, one who comes alongside, assistant, encourager. It's talking about the, the ministry, the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives that he wants to fulfill. He's sent to fulfill all these different areas of need, all these different thirsts, that you've got thirst that you can maybe identify with some of those. Man, I'd love for someone to come alongside me. Yes, I need comfort. Yes, I need help. Yes, I need someone to teach me, to lead me, to counsel me. I'd love to have someone strengthen me. The Holy Spirit is sent to satisfy, to be all of those things in us. If we skip down to verse 18, which we read earlier, it says, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, take that as two separate statements. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So it's not saying, Jesus, I'm going to come back to you so you won't be orphans. He's saying, I'm, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come back. Jesus is coming again. Amen. Jesus, that's what he's referring to. Jesus is going to come again. In the meantime, he's not left us 
as orphans. That word, in some translations, it's translated, the word for orphans, I, I will not leave you comfortless. I will not leave you helpless. I'm going, I'm going to come back. In the meantime, you're not going to be comfortless. What? what how? Because he's, he's communicating. That's what he's teaching them. I'm going to send you a comforter so you will not be comfortless. I'm going to send you a helper so you will not be helpless. He's talking about the ministry, the roles of the Holy Spirit in, in our lives. I'm going to send you another helper that he may abide with you, that he may abide with you. How long? Forever. He will abide with you. That word means to remain, to continue. That he's, the Holy Spirit is with us forever. That means once you receive the Holy Spirit, you're never, you're never alone. You are never alone. The Holy Spirit didn't come like Jesus to be here 33 years and then ascend back to heaven and he's gonna come back again. The Holy Spirit was sent to abide with you forever, to ensure that you are never ever alone. If you've received the Holy Spirit, whether you feel like it or not, you know what? You're never alone. You have the presence of God. You, the, the Holy Spirit abides in you. You are his abode. He wants to live and dwell and fellowship, fellowship with you. And a lot of times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we, we talk about power, that he's going to empower us. And that, that's, that's part of it. That's an important part of it, and we'll, we'll talk about the power of, of the Holy Spirit, but sometimes we skip over this abiding part and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit and just jump to the power of the Holy Spirit and the miracles, and that, that's, that's, that's wonderful. We're in favor of that, but not at the expense of fellowship because Jesus did talk about, Acts chapter 1, he did say, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Jesus did talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, but that's not all he talked about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. In fact, as he's introducing this concept, the emphasis is that he's going to abide with you. There's going to be fellowship. There's going to be relationship. He'll abide with you forever. He says, I'm going to send you another, another helper. The, the, the Greek word for another, there's two different Greek words, allos and heteros. One means another of the same kind. The other means another of a different kind. So the word heteros means another, but another not of the same kind. Like a heterosexual likes people romantically, but they like people of a different, different sex than their own versus a homosexual, right? Heteros, well, another, but of a different kind. So let's say I was at your house and you were, you were like, hey, if you're gonna eat dinner at my house, we're very big on vegetables, so got a few options here for you for vegetables, and you start spooning up Brussels sprouts or, or, or something, and I say, oh, okay, you know what? Could I have another? If I use this word heteros, another, I'd say, I'd, I'll, I'll eat vegetables, but can I, I, can I have green beans instead of, uh, can you like, no Brussels sprouts, I'd prefer green. I want another, a different kind of vegetable, right? But if I use the word allos, it means, uh, can I have another? It's like, hey, keep those Brussels, which I would never say, but I keep those Brussels sprouts coming. I want, I want another, one more spoonful, please, right? So there's another of the same kind, I want more of the same, and there's another of a different kind. And here, Jesus says, when I, I'm going to send you another helper. It's the word for another of a same kind. So when he's talking about the Holy Spirit being the same, the, the same as who? He's the same as someone. Who's he, he's he's going to be the same as Peter? He's going to be the same as, as Judas? Who, who is, who's he the same as? Uh, he's the same as Jesus, right? I'm going to send you one that's the same as me. Now, was Jesus powerful? 
Of course he was powerful. But was he just power? I mean, to some people he was. To some people that's all he was. They just wanted him to fix the situation, do a trick, make more bread, give us a sign, give us... That's all he was to some people. Some people just wanted the power, but, but not to the disciples. He wasn't just power to the disciples. He wasn't just displays of miraculous things to the disciples. To the disciples, it, it was way more than that. When they mourned his loss, when they, they arrested him in the garden, they were, oh, we missed the power. No, they, they loved Jesus. They, he, he lived with them for three years. There, there was fellowship. There was communion. There was a genuine, a genuine love of, of intimacy, the way that they related to one another. So he's saying, I'm going to send you another of the same kind. So it's not, it's not just power, another of the same kind, that there was relationship and communion that they had with Jesus. Let, let me read you this passage from Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 21, it says, this is Jesus speaking. He says, not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. Listen to what Jesus says. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. Jesus, on judgment day, is going to tell some people, I, I don't know you. Now, I thought Jesus knew, Jesus knew everything. Well, the, the word for new here isn't like, um, like facts and information, data collection, trivia information. Like, uh, I don't even remember creating you. Who are you? I, I'm not familiar. That, that's not the kind of new. It's actually the word, the word for new here is a euphemism for physical intimacy. Like before Jesus was born, Joseph never knew Mary. Not that he had no idea who she was. They, they weren't physically intimate. So Jesus here is saying he's going to tell people, people with displays of power in their lives. Jesus, we did miracles. Jesus, we cast out demons. Jesus, we were very prophetic. Jesus, there was power displayed in our lives. And he's going to say, depart from me. I didn't, there wasn't communion. There wasn't fellowship. There wasn't, there wasn't intimacy. So from that passage, which do you think should be a priority in our, in our lives? Jesus is expressing that one is superior to the other. And sometimes, if we're not careful, the way that we talk about signs and wonders and miracles and power, and again, we just had Miracle Sunday. As we talk about this today, please don't take anything I'm saying as diminishing miracles. We are 100% in favor of that. In fact, I'm not trying to diminish that. I'm trying to enhance that. That's one of my prayer points this year. I want more, I want more signs and wonders in me. I want God's power to be on display in my life, in your life, in our life as a church. So in no way am I diminishing. I'm just that there's a proper path to get there and not some, not some shortcut. Sometimes the way we talk about signs and wonders and displays of power, you'd almost expect this story to end differently. That Jesus sees people on judgment day and, and says, they, they say, Jesus, we knew you. We fellowshiped with you. We, we communed with you all the time. And he said, depart from me. You, didn't, you never did any miracles. But it's actually the opposite. Yeah. So, so, so one is a priority over, over the other. So signs and wonders, the power of God is, is important. But they flow from fellowship. 
Because we, we don't want to just use God. We're not just trying to use the name of Jesus. He's, he's not just a power trick. What we ultimately, what we want, what we should desire is partnership, right? Partnership with Jesus, partnership with the Holy Spirit, partnership with the, the power of God. And partnership is a result of, of fellowship. You know, outside of the church, I'm a part of a couple of small, small business ventures, a couple of LLCs where we've got, you know, a, a business partnership with a, a couple of different people. And those people that I am in partnership with, I was first friends with them. There was a friendship in place. And out of that friendship, eventually, we decided to become partners in different, in different business ventures. I, I wouldn't become a business partner with somebody who just came up to me on the street and was like, hey, will you sign these documents? Let's, let's go into business together. No, no way, I don't want to part. I have no idea who you are, right? The partnership came out of fellowship. As we developed relationship, out of the fellowship, we, we were able to flow in, into partnership. If I was out on the street and someone came up to me and asked me for, for something, they wanted money, Hey man, you got, you got $10. If I, if I have it on me, there's a good chance that they're going to get $10. Just a chance encounter, I'll give them $10. But when they need $10 again, they don't have access to me, right? I've, I've gone, I've, I've moved on and there's no, we're not tethered together by any relationship. So a chance encounter, they might be able to get get something just by, you know, a, a coincidence. But if there's someone that I'm a close friend with, they'll, they'll eventually get way more than $10 without even having to ask for it just because it would flow out of close fellowship and, and communion. Are you with me? Yeah. Right? So it's not just, they don't have to ask for it. It just, it just flows naturally. I've got a close friend that a while back was having some health issues. And I thought there was a chance that this person was going to need a kidney. And so I even, I even talked to my wife. I said, hey, if, if he ends up needing a kidney, like I, I didn't say it just off the cuff. Like I thought it through and I got permission from my wife. Like if he ends up needing a kidney, are you okay? Because it's gonna affect our family. Can I give a kidney? And she said, she said yes. She was never, never asked for and thank God it wasn't needed. But it was, it was out, of, out of close friendship. I mean, everything was available. I was willing to give whatever because of, of close friendship and it flows out of that. So we can, we can overemphasize or become over-focused on, on miracles and power and trying to get those things if it comes at the expense of fellowship and communion and enjoying the presence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God in our lives. But on the other hand, if we'll just press into intimacy and fellowship and knowing God, miracles and signs and wonders will begin to flow in our lives as well. One flows out of the other. We don't want to just jump over one to quickly get to the power and signs. In fact, you really can't have close intimacy with the Holy Spirit and not begin to see evidences in, in your life. Because spirits, and maybe you can see this more clearly on the, on the negative side, but spirits, when they, when they are given room to operate in people's lives, spirits manifest their own characteristics, right? So a spirit of perversion or a, a spirit of fear. They're not just regular uh, vanilla, average demonic spirits that decide this guy, you know, I'm just kind of a regular demonic spirit, but this guy I'm going to make perverted. No, it's a spirit of pervert. He's, he's manifesting his own characteristics, right? Does that make sense? A spirit of fear, it's because it's, it's a cowardice, 
fearful spirit that's been given room to operate in someone's life, and he's manifesting his own, his own characteristic in that person, which this is a little bit of an aside, and I don't want to get off too far, but you can see you make an abode for those spirits by certain kinds of behavior where it makes it that spirit feel at home in your life by your behavior. So someone just using that spirit of perversion as an example, a young man that begins to look at pornography one times, two times, five times, begins to look at it regularly, he opens himself up the first week, the first month, it might just be him and, and it just his physical attraction and desire to see certain things, but if he's not careful, he will attract a spirit of perversion, just like the Bible says in the book of Romans, you become a slave of that which you obey. And the reason that he'll attract a spirit of perversion is because he's made an environment where that spirit feels very much at home, which goes back to what we talked about with the Holy Spirit. What was the precursor to the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Repentance, a desire for holiness, which would naturally attract what kind of spirit? The Holy Spirit. Because you, you've, made it, you've made an environment where that spirit, the Holy Spirit, can feel, can feel at home. So, so the spirits manifest their, their own characteristics in our lives. So if people can't see the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, then there's, there's a problem. There, there's a, a lack of fellowship. There's a lack of intimacy. There's a lack of interaction. When people say, when they claim, yeah, I've been spending time in the secret place. I've just really been pressing in my fellowship with the Holy Spirit, but there's no evidence. You can't see that, that something's off. Because you, you'll naturally see evidence there are certain environments where you can't be and people not be able to tell that you've been in that environment, right? I love to eat Mexican food. Yes, amen. First amen of the day on Mexican food. I'm just gonna stay on Mexican food, get you guys fired up. Lunch combination number five, amen. So I, I love Mexican food, but if you love Mexican food, you know one of the, well, one, <laughs> maybe a few, few drawbacks. One of the drawbacks is when you go to the Mexican restaurant for the rest of the day, you, you smell, right? You smell like, like an onion walking around. I mean, you, you can't, although this would be a little cheat code for those of you that just normally smell like an onion all the time, just tell people you just ate at the Mexican restaurant and they'll give you a... <laughs> <laughs> so, I swear I, I was at the Mexican restaurant. They're not even, it's seven in the morning. What are you, what, what are we even talking about? So you can't be, you can't be in that environment, right? You can't be in that environment and not come out of there and people can tell I, you've been in that, you've been in the Mexican restaurant. I smell, I smell your jacket. You smell like Mexico. You smell like, uh, you know. Uh, Mexi Mexican, Mexican food, because you've been in that in environment. When I was in college, we had a friend, he was studying biblical studies. Uh, last I heard, he, he's, a, he's a pastor out west in the Midwest someplace. He smoked cigarettes, which you were not allowed to do at Bible college, but he did, and he thought nobody, he thought nobody knew. We, we called him Smokestack Steve. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not kidding at all. That was it. And he thought no, he would disappear in his car for a while and he would come back. I mean, this is regular, chewing gum and reeking of cigarette smoke. And he thought everybody was clueless about the fact that he smoked. When I heard that he, where he was pastoring, 
The, the guy that told me said he still does that. He doesn't think anyone knows. He's a pastor. He smokes cigarettes, and he thinks nobody is, is aware. You know, like, that's just his natural aroma. He smells like an, an ashtray, just, like, you know, genetics or something. But you, you, there's certain things you're around where the, the evidence just shows up in your life, and the Holy Spirit, okay, this is, you see where this analogy breaks down. But the, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit's like a Mexican restaurant like smoking cereals. All right, the, the, you can, there's, there should be evidence in our lives that you, you've been intimate with the Holy Spirit. So you, you don't you just commune, fellowship with the Holy Spirit. You know, even in Acts chapter one, when Jesus was talking about power, you receive the Holy Spirit, you'll receive power to what? To become, to become witnesses. So it wasn't even the Holy Spirit's gonna instruct you. The Holy Spirit's power was gonna cause you to become something right? So my intimacy with him, it's not just a power snatch, a, a power grab. I'm trying to get, get a hold of some of his ability so I can use it. Intimacy, he's going to change me to become different, different than I, I was before as I fellowship and I, as I commune with him. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14. This is the last verse of Paul's letter to the Corinthians. And we, we've talked about this before. This is important. It says this, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. That's not just a so long, thanks for reading this far, until next time, salutations. This is the Holy Spirit is inspired this part of the letter as well. There's key doctrine. In this, in this last verse of this letter, he's highlighting key aspects of each member of the Trinity, of the Godhead, a key characteristic in the life of Jesus. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, the, in Jesus, we see a picture of the grace of God, that he took all our sins, he took our pains, he took sickness and disease on himself. Why? So, so you and I don't have to pay for it, that we can be free. It's the grace of God on display through Jesus. So he highlights that, that, is, that is the key revelation through the life of Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Then he says the love of God, talking about God the Father. God is love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So he highlights the key characteristic of God the Father. And when he gets to the Holy Spirit, what is the key? He doesn't say, and the power of the Holy Spirit. He says, and the fellowship, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. You know, last week, again, we heard an incredible message about the importance of relationships, that you and I are hardwired for relationships. He, he even talked about there, there's negative consequences when people become lonely, right? There, there's emotional, physical. It affects people in all kinds of different ways. Medical, when people suffer loneliness, because you, you're wired for relationships. And as you read through the Bible, you see oftentimes our relationships with people are actually to teach us about our relationship with God. That's why, why in Ephesians chapter 5, he can talk about marriage and then let us know that marriage is actually a living analogy. It's a picture of our relationship with God, that we are the bride of Christ. So if in natural, I need, I need you, you need, we need fellowship with one another. And it's a picture, I'm made not just for doctrine, I'm, I'm made not just for beliefs in church attendance, you're made for fellowship. You're made, it's the word koinonia. Another translation says communion. 
the communion of the whole, this sharing together, real relationship. So the aspect, the, the part of the Godhead, the Trinity, that you and I can know and walk with and have this ongoing fellowship is, is the Holy Spirit, that he abides with us, he abides with you. If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you, you know Jesus as your Savior, the Holy Spirit abides with you forever. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he, he it's actually the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul says, don't you realize, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit? Don't you know that I live in you? Don't you know that I, I, I'm with you? Don't you know that I abide in you? Don't you know that I'm with you? Man, there, there is a wealth of revelation just from the fact that he could even ask that question. One is that you can be the temple of the Holy Spirit and not know it. He can abide in you. You can be the abode of the Holy Spirit, but be ignorant of it. And consequently, if you are ignorant of it, you live like it's not true because he's correcting behavior here. So if you, you, there are people in this room that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're never alone, but you live like you are. You behave like you are because you don't realize it. There's not a real understanding don't you know? So you, you can be the temple of the Holy Spirit. He abides in you. He lives in you. And you don't know it. And it affects the way you live. It affects the way that you approach life. It affects your relationships. It, it affects everything about your life. The fact that God is with you, that you are never alone, that his presence is on the inside of you, that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, that has enormous ramifications if we'll know it. If we'll, we'll realize and we'll walk in genuine fellowship, not a long-distance relationship where we check in from time to time, he'll abide with us forever. That, that means unending communion, constant interaction, never alone. We can always fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I, I want to give you a few examples of how significant the presence of God is in someone's life. We'll, we'll look at a few quick stories, and then we'll wrap this up and pray together. But I just want to expand our understanding. It's not just, isn't it nice? Golly, isn't it nice to know that we're never alone? It's so much beyond just like a comforting thought. It's more than just kind of a, hmm, yeah. You know, it's not a pleasantry kind of communication. It's a reality that if you and I will know it, once we know it, then we can walk in it. And when we're walking in it in faith, it changes everything. Let me give you a few examples. Exodus chapter 3. try to hit a few stories quickly. Exodus chapter three. This is, I won't read the whole thing, but this is Moses interacting with God at the burning bush. So most of you are familiar with the story. He's left Egypt. Now he's a shepherd out in Midian for 40 years. One day he's minding his own business. There's a bush that's burning, but it's not being consumed. And he's like, what in the world? And he goes over to check it out. It turns out it's the presence of God. It's the glory of God settled on that, that bush. And so he starts to have a, a conversation. We'll, we'll read just a couple of verses. Uh, verse 9. This is God speaking. He says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, that, that is an enormous thing to ask of somebody. One, just, just to go back, he's wanted there for murder. There's a reason he left. He's wanted there for murder. He's been gone for 40 years. To send him back is, is a lot to ask. 
to send him back and to go to the king, to go to Pharaoh and say, these people that you've enjoyed free labor from for 430 years, let them go. Just, I mean, that, that is an enormous thing to say, here's what I want you to do. So listen to what Moses says, verse 11. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? That, that is an enormous task. How could God use me to do something so significant? How could I even find the courage? How am I supposed to succeed in a task? Think about if you were Moses and God spoke to you, just try, try to put yourself in his position. All the things that you'd be asking the same question. Think about the layers of that. Who, who am I? How am I supposed? Just go, you just want me to walk in? How? What? 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 Right? I mean, you'd be stumbling. At least I would, anyway. Obviously, just kind of like how? I mean, <laughs> how in the world? Who? Who am I? Who am I to even think that I can get in to see Pharaoh? Listen to God's response when He asks, "Who am I? How is this even going to happen? This seems like the most crazy, far-fetched, impossible thing to ask of me." Verse twelve says, "So He said, I will certainly." I'll certainly be with you. Now, he gives them some other things as you continue to read, but first and foremost, what was the thing that he wanted to communicate? Moses, you're not gonna be alone. You won't be alone in this. I will certainly, I will certainly be with you. God's presence would give him the boldness to proceed and the ability to anticipate success as he went. You know, it's the same thing in your life, the things that God's called you to do, the things he's laid on your heart, the same way you wrestle with those. Who am I? How in the world? How is this gonna happen? How can I even dream so big? When you get the understanding, I will certainly be with you. You're never, you're not going to be alone in this task. You're not alone in the calling. It gives you boldness to proceed. Start moving. You're not alone. And the ability that you can actually anticipate success. You're going to be able to do everything God has called you to do. Let, let me give you another example from Genesis chapter 39. Uh, I referenced this recently. Genesis chapter 39, this is the story of Joseph. He's been sold into slavery by his own family. Genesis 39 verse two, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. He's sold into slavery, taken down into Egypt, and it says that he succeeded in everything that he did, and it tells us exactly why. Why did he succeed in everything he did? Because the Lord was with him, and because the Lord was with him, there was a cause and effect, and again, you, the Lord can be with you, which is access to success, access to advancement, but if you don't know it, then you're like the Corinthians. Don't you know it changes the way you live? It changes your behavior. The Lord was with Joseph, what was the result? He succeeded in everything that he did. At the, at, later in that chapter, now he's been lied about. He's out of the Egyptian home, and he's in the Egyptian dungeon. It says the same thing in verse 23. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 5. 1 Samuel chapter 5. This is talking about the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God rested. It's really what made the temple in Jerusalem holy, not just because of the, the stone and the wood that was used there, but because of the Ark of the Covenant that was there. And the Ark of the Covenant was not just some, man, this is like the most awesome box anyone's ever built. What made, what made it an awesome box was the presence of God, right? So what, what makes... 
What makes Israel holy is because Jerusalem is there. What makes Jerusalem holy is because the temple is there. And what makes the temple holy is because the the Ark of the Covenant was there. And what makes the Ark of the Covenant holy is because the presence of God was there. So when we talk about the Ark of the Covenant, it's talking about that's what made the temple the temple. And you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So he says, then the Philistines took the Ark of God and brought it from Ebenezer to Ashdod, When the Philistines took the Ark of God, they brought it into the house of Dagon, a a false god, a demonic entity, and set it by Dagon. And when the people of Ashdod arose early in the morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the earth before the Ark of the Lord. So they took Dagon and set it in its place again. And when they arose early the next morning, there was Dagon fallen on its face to the ground before the Ark of the Lord. The head of Dagon and both the palms of his hands were broken off on the threshold. Only Dagon's torso was was left of it. So they brought the presence of God in with this demonic idol, and that demonic idol fell before the presence of God. They set it back up. The next morning they come in, not only did it fall this time, now its head's busted off, its arms are busted off. All it is is a torso. That, That lets us know the presence that you carry is so sweet and so powerful and so wonderful that demonic presence Demonic presences, different oppression, different influences that would try to come into your life, they have to fall in the presence of the presence that you carry. That's the presence on the inside. But you can you cannot know that you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. You can forfeit. You can squander the rights. You can squander the precious abilities of being the temple of the Holy Spirit, having that power residing on the inside of you. If you walk in ignorance, if you refuse to acknowledge, if you refuse to engage your faith with the fact that you are never alone, as a child of God. You're never alone as a, as a person filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a presence on the inside. You don't have to be afraid of demonic influences and all these kinds of things. They have to be afraid of you provided you know what you have on the inside. So it's a strategy of the enemy to make you ignorant. Let me give you one more. Second, Second Samuel chapter 6, verse 12. Last one. Then King David was told, this is when the, the Ark of the Covenant, same thing, they were trying to bring it into Jerusalem. They were doing it the wrong way. Someone reached out to steady it. They, they, they were killed. So they put it in the house of a guy named Obed, Obed-Edom. It says, then King David was told, 1 Samuel 6, 12, the Lord has blessed Obed-Edom's household and everything he has. Why? Why is this guy so blessed? He's blessed his household. And blessings just flowing. Blessed his household. And every, everything he has What did Obed-Edom have that didn't carry a blessing? Nothing. Blessed his household and everything he had. Why? Because of the ark of God. Because the presence of God was there. Because his house was like the temple at that point. So David went there and brought the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with great celebration. You know, the blessing of God that comes from having the presence of the Holy Spirit isn't just something to hear about and say, man, that's awesome. Man, that sounds wonderful. Listen to these guys. That we can be like David. 
and not just admire from afar. It says he went and got it. Man, I want that. I, I don't want to just hear about the blessing of God, how demonic forces have to flee because someone carries the presence of God, how whatever they put their hand to, it prospers because of the presence of God, because blessings flow because of the presence of God. Everything in the household, the marriage was blessed. They succeeded being parents. They succeeded being business owners. There's blessing that affected every area of life. Why? All of it's attributed to the presence of God, that we want to be like David, amen, and say, I don't want to just see it from afar. Thank God when I see it in your life. I want it in my own life. I want to become, we sang it earlier. Let me become more aware of your presence. I don't want to have a low level of awareness because then I have a low level of benefit. That you need to know that you know that you know you are never alone. And in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. Some people have an apart from him mindset. They, they, they feel, they live like they're apart from, apart from him, apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Some people have that kind of mindset. Well, I don't know, there's nothing I can do. I mean, my marriage is, it's, things are tough. I, there's, there's, I mean, but there's nothing I can do. I mean, there's this craziness going on with my kids, but I mean, what am I supposed to? They, they have an apart from him mindset when they're not apart from him. They, they act like there's nothing they can do. Like they haven't been equipped. And the reason they feel that way in my, in my career, in my relationships, helpless, comfortless. Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you that way. I'm not gonna leave you comfortless. I'm not gonna leave you helpless. I'm gonna put a presence on the inside of you. You'll never be alone. And if you can learn to fellowship, commune, you know, the, the presence of God. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were thrown in the fiery furnace because they wouldn't bow down to Nebuchadnezzar's idol. And he looks in there and he sees a fourth a fourth person, the king calls them out of the fire. You remember the story, the book of Daniel? He calls them out. Hey, wait, call those guys out of there, which means they could, they could walk out at any time. All right, guys, get out of there. I see you walking around in there. Get out of there, you. So they come, they're in a fiery furnace. They could have walked out. Why didn't they? Because of that fourth presence. That fourth presence made a fiery furnace the most wonderful place to be in the world. I'd prefer to be in the fiery furnace with this presence than, than to come out. His, his presence changes everything. His presence ch changes everything, and you have his presence. I mean, this you, you can't emphasize it enough. You and I, we have the presence of God on the inside of us but it hasn't been acknowledged, it hasn't been celebrated. We're supposed to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Acknowledge him, fellowship, communion, koinonia with the Holy Spirit, that we talk with him, that we interact with him, and partnership flows out of, out of fellowship. That you grieve the Holy Spirit when he's with you and you don't acknowledge. Go over to someone's house and just sit on the couch the whole time and watch them play Uno. You're just like, hello. It, it, it grieves you, right? I'm, I mean, I'm here. It's the Holy Spirit in some people's lives. It's watching you do your thing. You acknowledge him in all of our ways. There's a book called Practice the Presence of God, an old book by, I think he was a monk. His name was Brother Lawrence. The whole thing is just about communing with God, practicing the presence of God. It's just a small little book. Practice the presence of God. Just talk with him, interact with him. When? All the time. Just live in fellowship as you're driving, as you're doing dishes, as you're, you know, whatever, as you're shopping. You're just, you're communing, fellowship, never alone. He'll abide with you forever, 
forever. And out of that fellowship flows, flows partnership. Benny Hinn's book, Good Morning Holy Spirit, which I've never read. <laughs> Take my book recommendations lightly. <laughs> you know the whole, you, you can't judge a book by its cover. I hope that's not true because that sums up most of my reading. <laughs> Just kidding. But the concept is fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Wake up in the morning. The Holy Spirit isn't just for altars and moments of crisis. He's he's for that. Again, I'm not diminishing any of that. May the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the fellowship, fellowship, good morning, Holy Spirit, just right from the very beginning of your day, you're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, communing, communing with Him. John chapter 3, verse 7. Jesus says this, do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. You can't tell where it comes from. Can't tell where it's going. He says that that's the people of the spirit. That's people of the spirit. So to be in fellowship with the Holy Spirit is to be in a position where every area of your life is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. You, are you with me? You, like, a, like a, a leaf. Why is, that, why is that leaf swirling around like that? Why is that leaf going up in the air? Why is that leaf just going? The influence of the wind. It's, it's, it's under the influence of the wind. Why is that plastic bag swirling around in the air? It's under the influence. It's talking about people of the Spirit. I'm, I'm yielded. I'm yielded. You can't be yielded if you're not even in fellowship communion. When you disengage from communion, you disengage from influence. You disengage from conversation. How's the Holy Spirit going to lead you? How's he going to tell you what to do? If you've disengaged, when I hang up the phone from my wife and we're not together, she loses the ability to communicate with me. It's only when we're in fellowship can she be giving, can she be giving me instruction and telling me, telling me what to do. Jesus said, he's with you, he's with you, and he will be in you. He's with you, and he will be in you. He's letting us know there's a whole nother realm of intimacy with the Holy Spirit that he was making available. Well, that's this week's message. Thanks for joining us. To stay connected with us throughout the week, make sure you follow us on Instagram and Facebook. You can also watch previous week's services on our YouTube page.